Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. Okay, dads, let's go ahead and get started, guys. Now, some of you have already let me know how uncomfortable you were in last week's meeting. So tonight, we're going to try to respect each other's boundaries. What? Tonight, we've also got a guest with us, David. And would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, hey, guys. I'm David. David. Hey, hey, hey. How many kids do you have, David? None. At least, not at the moment. Uh, my wife is pregnant, and uh, she should be delivering any day now. That's great. So Super. Cool. Oh, great. Awesome. Who'd like to go first? Anyone. Anyone. I'll go. Perfect. Todd? Yes. My daughter and I went to the mall, and she said she wanted to take the stairs to the second level. And I said, I don't trust stairs, because they're always up to something. <laughs> Todd, I'm sorry that happened. Okay. I encourage you to try to resist the urge to make jokes like that. My turn? Okay. Can I go? Okay. Yesterday, actually, my daughter got home, and she asked me how my day was. And I said, well, a guy tried to sell me a coffin, but that's the last thing I need. Oh, Jerry, that joke is dead on arrival. Because it's the last thing I need. David, how about you? Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't say This is a safe zone. Just jump on in. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'm just scared of being a dad. I'm afraid I'm gonna start telling bad jokes just like my dad. Well, it might be in our nature. We can fight against it. Hey, speaking of nature, I tried to catch some fog yesterday. I missed. <laughs> M-I-S-T. Oh, You're a monster. I, this is where the boundary is. I'm done. This is where you are. Hello? Really? Okay, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I'll be right there. That was Julie. Her water just broke. I guess the baby finally ran out of womb. <laughs> to be a dad. Don't you think it should be going? Oh, yeah. So I told my wife she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. So let me go ahead and say it this morning. Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the building this morning. Now I have to ask you, or I should ask your spouses, how bad are their dad jokes? I got one person saying way, way bad. If you ask my kids, the one thing that they're going to tell you is they just roll off the tip of my tongue faster than I could ever get it going. And they, they, they are truly the, some of the best things that I could do, I think, in my reality, because as Lydia learned the definition of what facetious means, that's just my mentality of how I operate. I'm always one that would rather cut the tension with a joke as I'm being real and transparent within them. 
It's one of those things I think that most of us would rather do because as dads, we have a hard job, do we not? Moms, you do too. I'm not, I'm not discouraging you and I'm not doubting you, but as dads, we have a really hard job because God set a standard on our lives that we struggle to, to get to. But I want to challenge you and encourage you at the same time. One, if God didn't believe in you, he wouldn't have put those babies in the womb and let them run out of womb, as that bad joke said, and to come into your life. Better yet, God knew the difficult times, and he says, I will lead you and walk beside you and show you in which way to go. So that being said, I want to encourage every single father, grandfather, uncle, everyone that has an influence over a young child, that God's got his hand on you and a purpose over each and every one of you. And I want to say, do not ever doubt your ability. No, we're not perfect. No, we're not always right. Yes, babe, I said that. Uh-oh, she apparently wants the microphone this morning. But better yet, no, you're not always going to get it right. But you always have another chance. Because that's what grace is all about. It's teaching people to give other chances. And in my house, Lord knows, with all my daughters, I need a lot of those. Because my house is full of estrogen and loud screaming and really weird, awkward notes that hit because my one daughter wants to sing songs and be goofy like me and goes at extreme more than I would ever do it. But I say that because I love them. One of the things that we as dads and moms and we, we can all see what we are imparting on their lives. I kind of laugh. Lydia, my oldest, if you haven't met Lydia, she's not the tallest anymore. Julia made that mark clear as, as go get out, but Lydia is the loudest in my house. And one of the things that I, I love about taking her to school during the school year is we get in the car, we get going, and yeah, me and her can bicker at it and get on it and because she didn't do this, or and I'm trying to, to discipline her. But then all of a sudden, she'll throw a dad joke at me, and I'm like, child, I love you. I see what God is doing, and as, as he's using me to, to show you the good ways of doing things. Because Lord knows, my kids in my house, they come downstairs every so often and say, I'm hungry. And dad, you know what I'm going to say. Nice to meet you, hungry. I'm dad. And it's, it's one of those things that really just highlights the wonderfulness of what God has given us. But that being said, the scripture that God kind of laid on my heart this morning was one that I'm like, I love the scripture, but I hate the scripture. Because one, I use the scripture all the time on my kids. But at the back end, it also cuts me, and I think that's the perfect kind of scripture we need sometimes. One that provides future for the next generation, but also puts us in check. I didn't put it on the screen this morning because of technology and everything else this morning. It's been a whirlwind. If you can ask my wife, I think I pulled out the last bit of hair on my head this morning. But it's out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. 
I'm going to stop part of the way through it, and I'm going to teach you what I teach my kids. One, so that you could teach your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and whatever other kids you got, this simple, phenomenal resource. And it starts off in verse 1. It says, children, you see what I'm getting at right here. God's calling them out through his apostle Paul when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Oh, my wife knows this scripture over. One of the things that I found the most interesting was when my kids started going to a, a school that we sent them to, this is one of the first scriptures that they made them memorize. I was like, hallelujah. And then they looked at me and said, okay, dad. I guess I got to listen to you. I said, yeah, how easy is it? Not very easy. I said, no, it's not. And they said, but why does God tell me that I have to listen to you? And I said, because I'm old and wise. No. And they're like, no. And I'm like, no, you have to realize what God is trying to set in place is something that we all have to learn. It is at five years old, you do not know it all. You are just exploring this world. You are just understanding just the tips of what you can do. Because yet, you at five years old, you still don't have the ability to fully walk and run with all that uncoordinatedness that's going to kick through your teenage years. You remember those years, right? You hit about 13, especially boys. Your legs start growing. Next thing you know is you're tripping over your feet. You're trying to do the dribbles on the basketball like you could do all the way through until that point, and then all of a sudden your hands are too long and you can't get it right. It's that awkward face. And so I looked at my kids and I said, Honey, God's telling you that you've got to listen to me because, one, I have a little bit more life experience and I kind of know things. I don't know it all, and I'm going to try to impart on you what's right. But there's also a promise in what God is saying as he continues on the scripture when it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it's right. Honor your father and mother, which is one of the first commandments where it gives us a promise. Because the Bible says, honor your father and mother, that you may go on to have a very, very long life. I don't know about you, but being a parent is not easy. And when kids don't listen, it makes it even more excruciating hard. And I tell my kids, you don't realize it. I love you. I give you all the grace in the world. I don't know. Do you ever tell your kids that too sometimes? I give you grace upon grace upon grace. And there are days that I just want to go and dig the six foot down there and just throw you down in there and be done with you. Am I being too transparently real with people? There are days in our lives where our kids, our grandkids, will put us to the edge where we want to just go ahead and say, you can go meet Jesus right now. And my kids say, no, Dad, you wouldn't do that. I said, oh, you haven't met the other part of me that, that the Lord keeps in check in my flesh sometimes. But there's a promise in that scripture. I said, honey, here's one thing you've got to realize. I'm not going to ask you to do all kinds of crazy stuff just to be manipulative and, and to be crazy. But there's a promise where God says, if you will be obedient to what I ask you to do, not the crazy extremes, that you're guaranteed the promised long life because I'm not going to put you in the hole. You guys aren't kidding it. 
I've got like two people that got it. There's a promise that says that the parents are not going to kill you because if you don't realize it, in the Old Testament, a lot of the parents would go and sacrifice their kids to the gods that were around, and they had no hope. But God is trying to establish a hope in our young people. One, that we won't kill them. Number two, that we'll teach them enough to be able to live this life and not go wet left or right and get killed somewhere. Because truly, we live in a scary and dark world. Lord knows, Lydia keeps telling me, May 15th next year, I get my temporary permit. I said, oh, we'll see how that rolls. I mean, for some of you, I, I, I can only imagine what my parents thought when they, when they learned that I could get my temporary permit. They were like, oh, Lord, Stephen's got a permit. He's got a car. And then they got in the car with me and realized I, I was going to give Del Earnhardt a, a run for his money sometimes. I wasn't doing an oval track. I was going crazy, like, fast and the furious a little bit sometimes. And they were like, oh, Lord. And I'm looking at my life going, oh, Lord, my kids, I don't know what's going to happen. But that's part of being a parent that's hard. The Bible says, train your children up in the way they shall go. And when they get older, they will not depart from it. And as fathers, that's one of those title, or one of those things that God keeps telling us to do. Is to be the representation to our kids of how to go. But what I keep looking out into the world for and to find is there's a dysfunction that has hit the family model. Because a lot of dads have gotten discouraged. Because the enemy has whispered into their ears and said, you have no influence in their life. You should go and find something new. And that's why I don't think that on Father's Day I should get up here and tell you, you've done this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. I feel that it's my job today to really, really set in part that you have an imperative job that God has designed you for as dads and grandfathers and great-grandfathers to still impart wisdom into the next generation that they will have the promise of a long life. But it comes through the other part of the scripture in, in Ephesians chapter 6, when we get to verse 4, when it says, Fathers, this is where you get called out a little bit. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that's not an easy job. Scripture reminds us in Ephesians chapter 5, when it says we're supposed to be like Jesus, the high priest of our household, the ones that are setting the spiritual foundation in our homes, between our wives, with our kids, and letting them know. But that comes through our desire to be a light in this world. You see, I can remember the day October 15th, 2008. When we and Melissa drove to the hospital knowing that she was going to have to have a cesarean section. And I watched them take Melissa and pull Mel or my little Lydia out. And I remember them placing her in my arms. And I remember looking at her and I remember this promise that I made in my head. I want to be a better father 
than my dad was. I want to be a better father than my stepdad was. And I had to ask myself at those moments, how can I do that? Some of you know my history. My stepdad doesn't go to church. My dad definitely doesn't go to church. My mom and dad got divorced when I was six. I saw my dad every other weekend for like three hours a weekend. Or, and, and so six hours a month realistically. And then the rest of the time I was at home with my mom, my brother, my sister, my cousin, and my great grandma because my stepdad at the time was always out on the road as an over the road truck driver. So all throughout those years, I was seeking influences, trying to find something that would make sense. And no, I wasn't perfect. Yes, I made a lot of mistakes. And yes, I went down a lot of wrong rabbit holes. But as I was looking at my little Lydia, my firstborn out of five, I looked at her and I was like, okay, I want to be better. And I looked at Melissa, and I, and I know she remembers this. I said, honey, money can make us always rich. I want to make us enough to where we're comfortable. But one thing I want you to know is I will never go and be gone forever where I will not be part of my kids' life because I want to impart something in them. That should be the heart of all of us men, to impart I know the world says that we need to go and provide, provoke, provide, provide, provide. But our hearts should be, okay, I love my kids so much that I want to do whatever it takes for them. I'll provide with whatever it means, but I still want to be active in it. I'm not trying to beat you up if you worked all your life and, and didn't get to do that. But I'm trying to get at is that there is a point where you have to say, is there enough where I'm missing out too much? Because fatherhood is an important part of the upbringing of our kids. In 1910, there was a woman that started on the third Sunday of every June this thing called Father's Day. It's one of the few holidays that are celebrated worldwide. All on different dates. But it wasn't until 1973 by Richard Nixon that it was signed into law as a government holiday. To honor the fathers, and to, re, uh, to provide a reminder of the importance of the parental bonds and the influences it has on our society. I'll be honest. I watch a lot of comedians on TikTok or Instagram reels and stuff, and they're all like, oh, Father's Day is the worst holiday ever. It's ranked the lowest in there because of this. Mother's Day is like number three. I'll be honest. Church... We already expect Christmas to be one of the biggest holidays that people are in here for, Easter, and Mother's Day. And we're like, okay, I can see where Father's Day gets the dig. But that's because the world has looked at fatherhood as not important. Statistically speaking, 18.3 million kids in the United States as of 2020 or 2022, or about one in four kids or in the world, in our nation, have homes with no fathers. Statistically speaking, that means that these kids are more likely to have issues. Where they're more likely to go and get into bad groups that will bring influences of drugs, 
violence. They're more likely to be incarcerated. They're more likely to not succeed in high school and graduate. Better yet, they're more likely to keep on this generational curse of fatherless homes that's only going to perpetuate the negative ramifications from it. And how do I know that? Because they say that if a father is in the home, there is a higher risk or a higher likelihood when the father is at home and performing uh, and, and actually engaged that 43% of all children are more likely to have straight A's. There's more of a likelihood that when fathers are in the homes that these kids are going to actually uh, be able to communicate better. These kids are actually going to be able to be able to do jobs better. They're actually going to be able to be stand up. They're going to have moral behaviors is what they actually say, statistically speaking. So it's an important job that we have. And it's something that we need to impart even greater into our children and their children and their children and keep going on and letting it be an important thing that we keep establishing. And no, we're not going to be perfect. Because let me tell you right now, dad jokes aside, we're going to do that. There are going to be other idiosyncrasies that we're going to pass on to our kids that are going to make you laugh as you think about it. I mean, the world we live in today, they make fun of it all the time. You know those progressive commercials that like all first-time homebuyers are like their parents? You got one guy out there cleaning the trash cans because for some reason his dad cleaned his trash cans? I'm still trying to figure that one out. Or you have one where the guy's always haggling, trying to get the lowest deal. Or better yet, using the term, let me put my John Hancock on that. How many of dads have you used that joke? You got one hand, I got one head nod. No, no. I use Herbie Hancock just because I was ruined by Chris Farley. Or better yet, how many dads bring random snacks along because you have learned over the time that your kids get a hankering and you don't want to stop and get McDonald's because it's expensive. So you're like, here, peanut butter crackers, boom. How many of us get a little overprotective and we make sure our ducklings are right in a row and we keep going on? Or the goofy small talk that goes on. But one thing that I love is the fact that as dads and as parents, we pass down these wonderful, awkward, abnormal, but unique traits to our kids. And it shows how God's unique design for the way that we copy ourselves to the next generation is really needed. Something that God has exampled for our lives and himself through his son, and through his relationship with his people of Israel. You see, we live in a world where God seems like he's so far away and so distant. But something that Jesus reminded us on the cross as he was crying out, Abba, Abba, Father, Father, is that we have a God that we can look to as the example of how we can walk and how we can do things. It's not always great. It's not always easy. But it takes the intentionality of our lives to set that forth. You see, I struggle sometimes, I'll be honest, 
raising five daughters because they're daughters. Some of us will struggle because we don't always understand our own kids or our grandkids. But that's where you have to really start really taking the intentional time of doing what God does. See, the Bible says that he loved us so much that he would send his only son, right? That means he knows every single issue that we deal with. He knows every way that we process things. That's why, like when Job was going through that horrible season of, of dealing with the afflictions that he didn't earn, but God allowed him to go through just to show his faithfulness to Satan. It was like those seasons that God's like, I know where you're at. I'm going to relate to you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to get you through this because there's a promise that, that even though we might fall, his righteous right hand will get us back up. He leads us beside the still waters. He gives us the rest, but he also gives us the reassurance that we're surrounded all around. That's how the dads are supposed to be in this world. No, I'll be honest. My kids, I don't understand all the stuff they do, and I'm pretty tech-savvy, and they get in some really weird tech stuff, and they're like, I'm like, honey, I don't know what you're getting into. And I can only understand how that was for you in many ways, a lot of the dads that are a little older than I am. When the technology started kicking, you're like, I don't understand that one. Lord knows, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it when my grandkids start coming up to me and have these weird goggles on or glasses, and they're like, I'm just surfing the internet on my glasses here. Oh, Lord. Melissa's like, I don't even think I want to try that. She's like, give me a phone any day. <laughs> but it comes through the intentionality. You see, God's intentional. He knows every single thing about you. And as dads, we need to be able to do the same thing so we can actually know that when our kids are in trouble, they'll call. It's one of the reasons why me and Melissa have the principle statement that says, if you have a question, go ahead and ask it. And let me tell you, in a house of five daughters, I get some really girly questions. And they wait to see if I blush. And when I blush, my whole head turns red, so... <laughs> but it comes through the, that intentionality. You see, you're not required to be perfect. Can I just say that real quick? You are never going to be perfect. The, the word says that we are walking our way towards perfection, which is what sanctification is. And while some people might seem sanctified completely all the way on this side of heaven, what I've witnessed in my own experiences, sanctification is a process that I'm not going to get fully done until I cross those pearly gates and I see my Savior and I know that he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then all this corruption falls off of me and then I'm like, okay, I don't have to worry about no sin no more. I don't got to worry about these fleshly desires no more. See, I know that's the process. I know I'm not going to be perfect. There are going to be days that anger and tempers kick up. But that's why the word says, do not provoke your kids into complete anger. Because we have to remember, if Jesus would keep himself in a check when he was on the garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, Father, if this cup could pass from me, let it pass. But nonetheless, thy will be done. You see, we have to have that same mentality sometimes, dads, and moms, and grandmas, and grandpas, and uncles, and whatever else we have in this room. We have to be willing to say, I understand, but I'm going to go and let God's will be done. 
Sometimes that means I do have to get a little bit rough with them and make sure they realize that there is an imperative importance that they have to get into because if I don't, there's a life-saving technique that's going to get lost in the translations. But that's where we have to get into it. And it always comes through what we show them. I think there's something that's been missing in our world a little bit, and that's called honor. I honor my kids with the respect that they've earned and with the love and compassion that they have to show them who God is. And what I ask of them is to honor me back by understanding that there is a commandment by God. But that also means that I have to show that honor in all that I do. You see... I struggle watching the news. More and more, it seems like every day, Melissa looks at me and says, why are you so mad? And I said, honey, I just, I don't understand where this generation's going. I don't understand the mentality that our world and our society has come into. Where words are worthless and ideals are selfish, And where the last generation has no importance. You see, today, we're supposed to honor dads. Like we were supposed to honor moms on Mother's Day. Like we're supposed to come in here on Sundays and honor God with everything that we are. But yet, we live in a world that struggles to understand what that means. And I'll be honest, when I got to Ephesians chapter 6, and I've heard the scriptures over and over again, I've used it at my kids, but something that just didn't connect with me. So I went to the Greek and understood what the word honor was, and it comes from temeo, which means to be prized, or to fix a valuation upon it, or to have it to be reverent. You see, honor is where we put value onto something. And we live in a world where value has not been addressed to the previous generation's knowledge or wisdom, but we put it and cast it aside. But I have come to say something a little bit more boldly. It's time for us to represent. It's time for us to stand up and show each and every person around us what honor is. Honor is not just validating everything you do. Honor is about understanding that there is a reverence call to give respect where respect is due. And unfortunately, there has been a segment population in the church that has for so long never understood its impact. And it got connected into the world a little bit more, and they've taken it to the extreme. That's why you have churches that don't honor God. That's why you have churches that don't honor the older generations. That's why I love this church. Because when I look at this church, I see an older generation that's loving the next generation down, that's loving the next generation down, because we know the importance of what honor is. 
And honor is the capability to give that respect to those around you because God has put his image on each and every one of us. But it comes through this thing called submission. And that's a word nobody likes to hear. Submission. Let me tell you, there's a lot of preachers that will always tell you, wives, submit to your husbands. And they leave it right there. But honor doesn't come through just leaving it there where they, we just try to overcompensate and, and try to put somebody else down. Because submission is where Christ comes up and says, okay, if you want to be the spiritual leader of your household, you have to learn to submit to me first. You have to give me the honor. You see, what I have to come to say is that we have a generation of people that have been looking left and right for the answers. They've not found it. That's why they went and did their own little thing. That's why I think it's so important that I live my life submitted to my Savior. That's why it's so important that you wake up each and every morning and make the declaration that I, today I'm going to bow my knee at that cross yet again and say, Lord, I am a wretched mess. Fix me, move upon me, give me the power through your Holy Spirit to come in and bear what I need to do today. But let me be the example as my kids. Watch me do exactly what I asked them to do. See, my kids, they watch me read the Bible. They hear me pray. In the car, they're like, okay, Dad's speaking in holy tongues again. He must be stressed out again. They watch me love unconditionally. Everybody is around me. They watch me become intentional with people I don't know. And they also watch me do some crazy faith stuff. And that's why it's imperative that it is our job as the church, as dads, as Christian men who have said, I want to walk by Christ alone, to walk by faith and not by sight. It's a journey. It's a process. But it's imperative that we do that so that they will see and understand why we are supposed to be lovers of God and not lovers of man. Because I want to see my kids better. I want my grandkids, when they start having grandbabies, to know God and love God and everything that they have. That's like what my grandparents did. They weren't perfect. Trust me, I, I, I heard my aunt, my uncle, my dad, my cousins all telling me about how grandpa was not perfect. Same with grandma. Grandma was not perfect. I always loved it. I always went to my grandma's house. Grandpa didn't like her watching the soap operas. But when he went out into the field, grandma snuck and turned on the soap operas. And I'd, I'd, I'd come across, I'd drive into there just to visit with them. And next thing I know is I see grandma, do 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 because they didn't have the remote control TV. They had the, the old push-button knob TVs. You'd see her run, flip that off real quick. And I laughed, and I'm like, okay, Grandma, I know you're not perfect. 
But one of the things I saw them do was they said, let me lead by example. There'd be other days I'd show up and they'd have their Bibles out and they would be just talking about what they were reading that day. I'd get to listen to them pray. They bribed me with McDonald's to go to church with them. They'd pay for me to go to breakfast with the youth groups. Because there were some days that they took us to Frisch's Big Boy to get the breakfast bar during church. And man, it felt good to fill my stomach up with some biscuits and gravy over some Bible study sometimes. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm being too transparent. <laughs> but they set the precedent up that transformed my life. They desired to be a light when there wasn't a lot of light around me that was telling me which way to go. And it was in a thing that I love today, and that's what I impart on my kids. That's what God is telling us to do for ours. Not to provoke us to anger. Not to keep going, but just to keep going and knowing that as we walk this walk with them, that they're going to get better at it. That's why I love the scripture when it says that we're supposed to train up our kids. It says we're supposed to do it as we walk alongside them, as we do the jobs with them, as we show them. So as we cook at home, we talk about things. So we drive in the car and Lydia ADHD mode doesn't stop and I want to put earplugs in. We talk things out. You see, that's the hard jobs. But it's the blessed jobs. It's the encouraging jobs that we have every single moment of our life because we are called to be sharers of our faith. Light into this darkness. And it's something that I know most of us will get discouraged with. That's why I love it when when we get to the nitty gritty and we ask questions. And we ask God who we are supposed to be and he tells us. And if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to just to start asking God, God, how can I be a better father? better husband, better light bearer in all this world. And there's movies out there that are Christian faith, and there's a lot of it, and it, it, there's a pretty good set of group of them. It's the Kendrick Brothers. They got a movie called Courageous, where it talks about men who dedicate their lives to become better fathers. But they, they set out seven characteristics or seven jobs of fathers that we have. And it's not just fathers. These applies to all of us. But we're supposed to be teachers to our kids. Not just sitting in the school and saying, oh, teach them what they need to know. Because what we've seen right now is that's not the best idea. But Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up your child in the ways they should go, and when they get older, they will not depart from it. Train up your kids to love God. And know that they will not always walk it. They'll have their prodigal moments. Because their faith will never be your faith. But if you train them up, they'll hear the truth and you just pray the Holy Spirit just comes upon them and leads them. You're supposed to be the examples. 2 Corinthians 3 reminds us, you yourselves are letters of recommendation which are on our heart to be known and read by all. Can I say that again? You yourselves are the letters of the recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you shall show your letters uh, from Christ that how he delivered us. 
written not in ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of our hearts. We're supposed to be the examples. The ones that will do what everybody else says is crazy, but God says is faithful. So that our kids will see that and say, okay, trust me, I'm still waiting for my kids to say, Dad, I remember that one time we were at Frisch's, we were getting breakfast. I don't know why it's always a Frisch's at breakfast, honey. It's just some good breakfast. We'll just say that. But the, the, I'm waiting for them to go, Dad, we were there, and then all of a sudden you said, we got to go to Georgia. And I'm like, I still don't know. But they know that there was something in our spirits that said go. And I want them to have those same experiences where they hear God. Because one thing that I learned is there's a lot of people that say they're Christians, but they don't hear from let me tell you, if our God is still the living God, he still speaks. And if he's still speaking, we need to have our ears inclined to hear him. And the only way our kids will ever have an ear that's inclined to hear from him is if we show it to them. If we speak to it, if we be the examples of what God is asking for. The next thing that God says that we're supposed to be is providers. First Timothy 5 and 8 says, But anyone who does not provide for his relatives, especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We don't like that scripture. But we have the desire to provide for the household, whether that means you work or whether that means you're doing something else. You have to be doing something to be a, 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 an impact on their lives. You can't just sit around and play video games all day. Even though some days it would be nice. You can't just sit around and watch TV eating bonbons all day as that one character on that TV show did. But you have to be participants. Actively doing something to make your kids' lives better. And then you also have to be the source of discipline. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But whoever loves him is diligent to discipline. It's not the funnest job in the world to correct people, let alone our kids. But one thing I've learned is we need a lot more correction and a lot less, oh, bless your hearts. That's why my kids don't get away with everything. Trust me, my kids hate it because if they get something wrong, I'm just going to give you an example. Younger generations, if you're a younger parent, we have these things called smartphones, and these kids love them. My kids hate it because I can get on my phone, and they get grounded. I lock their phones up, and they can't do anything on them. They're glorified paperweights that cost way too much money. But it's because I have to discipline them in certain ways. Trust me, my one kid, I'm, I, do I got to take away your books to get you to realize what I'm asking? And it's like the world melts away. But it's not about being mean, but it's about showing them that they have to go beyond what they are going. Discipline is not about trying to get them to do something you want them to do. It's about teaching them to be better. And we have to be able to set that precedence up. That's what God does. He chastises us and he shows us and reminds us of our sin. That's what the whole entire Old Testament was about. Showing us about the dysfunction that's within us and him trying to correct it all, but realizing that the correction was not enough and that's where grace has to go. And that's why grace has to be in your discipline as well. 
Showing them compassion, not going to the extremes in those aspects. So that way, when you get to the next one, where you spend time with your kids, you'll make the difference. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says, And those, or these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the wayside and when you lie down and when you raise up. You shall bind these as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Dads, you're doing a good job. I'm just going to say that. You're doing a good job. But you have to be able to talk to your kids. You have to be able to spend time with them. Connect with them on their level. And show them. Deuteronomy was telling us about an old time way of doing things. When they still walked around on bare feet and dragged their knuckles around. I'm not really saying that. But, but they did things on their life where they were in the flock or they were in the, in the craftsman shop. There's a time where you have to be willing to say, okay. Let me take time and put focus on you. And then the seventh one, or I'm sorry, the sixth one is to have compassion. Psalms 103 and 13 says, As fathers show compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And the seventh one, you ready for this one, guys? Put your money where your mouth is. James 1 and 2 says, Be doers of the word and not just hearers, deceiving yourselves. The truth is, if you're not willing to do what, you, what you're calling them, we're what we call hypocrites. If I don't speak the truth and expect my kids to speak the truth and I lie and, they try, and I expect them to tell the truth, I'm not any good. If I want my kids to serve God, I've got to serve God myself. I've got to be the example. I've got to put it where I'm at. If I want my kids to tithe, I've got to teach them. I've got to show them I tithe. If I want to teach them to love God with all their hearts, I've got to teach them to do the same. You see, dads, we have a tough job. I'm going to say it again. It's tough. Moms, you've got a tough job, too, because you've got to put up with us. It's so tough. But dads, you have a tough job because you have been placed at the top of the whole household. You have to be the one that loves your wife as you love yourself, willing to give your life up for your kids and your wife and everything that you have. You have to be willing to do it all. It's a selfless job, but it comes through submission. It's a hard job, but it's worth it. It's a job that not everybody's called to. But our Heavenly Father gave it to you. And I don't want you to take it lightly. So this morning, if everybody will stand with me this morning. I just want to pray over every person in this room, but especially the dads. Because you are worth it all. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He gave us the ultimate submission test. He gave us the ultimate example that we're supposed to live for. And better yet, he lived his life in raw form. 
in real authentic worship of God. And that's what he's calling us all to be, dads. Raw. Not raw like the bloody meat that everybody doesn't want to get around, but the real authentic worship in all that we are. So Father God, Lord, I ask you to just move upon each and every person in this building. Lord, touch each and every one of us, Lord, empowering us by your spirit to be obedient servants of you. But God, I ask that you just touch each and every dad that is represented here. Lord, you said give honor where honor is due, Lord. We give an honor to these dads who have stepped up, who have been there for their kids, who have been there with their wives, and who have set the example. God, we applaud them right here, right now, today, Lord. Lord, we ask you to just lift them up and empower them all the rest of their days, Lord, to realize that even if their kids are out of the house, their job is still not done. That even if they have grandkids, their job is still not done. But God, that they have been called according to your purpose when you formed them in their mother's wombs and you set the precedence up where they would have the offspring. That they would be image bearers and duplicators of your will, Lord, and your son. So, Lord, I ask you to empower them each and every day, Lord. Encourage them, Lord, as this world wants to beat them down and let them hear the truth, Lord, that you've called them according to your own will and have empowered them by your spirit and have anointed their steps, their hands, and their actions, Lord, and that they might not have been perfect, but, God, you have anointed them for all that they do. God, we ask you to touch them. In Jesus' name I pray. And the whole church said, church, I love you. Happy Father's Day. I hope you enjoy the dad jokes and keep them coming. If you look online, you'll see some more coming up this afternoon. Because you know I just can't help myself because I'm so punny. But better yet, go and love your neighbor as yourself. But better yet, go love your kids more than anything. Setting the example that they need so that they might be the image bearers of our Heavenly Savior. Go and be the church. I love you all. See you guys next week.